0: Logical Progression, Year 3, Chapter 9,
1: Lesson 2. In the name of Allah, <laughs> the Most Merciful, the Most Merciful, the Most Allahumma salli wa sallim, wa barakna labina Muhammad wa ala amihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma cha'ataw sahla. Wa Anta tajra al-hizna, idha shi'im Allahumma a'imna ala dhikrika wa shukrik wa husna ibadetik. Ya Rabbil Alameen. As-salamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. <laughs> So, Jazakumullah, good to be back. I don't know, is it good to be back? Certain things are easy to say to your home audience. Certain things are easy to talk about, not in front of your home audience. The kind of lesson that we had last weekend, it was the most insane thing I think I've ever done. And as you would have seen, just uploaded recently what kind of craziness happened last week. This time, we've only got these two in there. But there's part of it. Yeah, that's... I can handle that kind of best. There's someone <laughs> else's kids I can't handle You know what I'm saying? So, anyway... Um, actually, what I wanted to do is a couple of things. Uh, obviously, uh, there's... Um, uh, this chapter's got some really strange kind of phrases in it and words in it. And uh, actually... The class which I was t- teaching, where I was teaching um, in KL, big shout out to Malaysia, you'll be shocked, in you know, the kind of turnout and the kind of uh, loyalty they have as students. It's mashallah every time I go there. And they're the city that I've taught in most logical progression. It's a very set and a great number of students and a great bunch of them as well. Very, very uh, mashallah. They're good at their fiqh as well. Um, and, uh, but they never had the notes. So the difference between that, of course, is that when a teacher is just reading out notes, it's difficult to kind of visualize what's being said. Uh, you guys would have had the notes in front of you and you'd be able to read and obviously you're going to see it now. This chapter, even though it's such an innocent sounding chapter, the chapter of bathing, it has like every fetish and every crazy masochistic concept you can ever consider the possible. You'd never imagine that it was done by Muslims. Okay. Because of our 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 understanding of, of, of the topic. Yani yeah, just even now, I mean uh, on I just read a comment from a Mufti from Pakistan who's not happy about the way that this subject is being taught. It just shows Yani yeah, the, the difference, you see, between people who try to brush all this under the carpet and then their Darul is then full of this nonsense, Yani yeah, people yeah, experimenting with one another, don't know what's going on, living in ignorance. And the other people who, uh, you know... And there's another extreme, of course, which is to treat it all like some kind of massive joke and uh, not take it seriously. And you've got to obviously try and hit the middle kind of... Uh, the middle ground. The middle ground is to not pull any punches, to say what needs to be said, make it very, very clear without making it... Without... I don't know. Without... I don't, I don't know. Without being too uncouth, without being too... Blase, I guess. I don't know what the word is. So anyway, but it has to be done. There's an argument actually, I'll tell you what's interesting. There's an argument out there. There's an argument out there that if we're going to teach fiqh today, because you'll see very clearly the way that certain things are worded and examples are used. they use, uh, uh, back, in the, back in the day, the fiqh text reflects basically what people are going to be asking, the kind of issues they're going to be putting forward to the, to the scholar. And so when he writes a seminal text, when he writes this kind of key text, he wants to try and cover all these bases. <coughs> and so actually something which is incredibly rare, he's going to try and cover with a sentence. And that sentence is going to have to be crazy, and it takes all the kind of the, you know, the gloss of the, the real serious stuff. Like for example, we're talking about Hermaphrodites, for example. I mean, a chapter is all to do with you know, the invalidating of waduk. And yet, it was dominated by what the heck is a hermaphrodite, and what's an original, uh, original sexual organ, what's an original penis versus a secondary penis, and all this kind of nonsense. And it kind of takes your mind off it. And so the question is: Is that what's the solution to that? If you're going to teach Fiqh classically, then you're either going to then translate it faithfully and teach it like they taught it, and you're going to stick to that school, and that's the traditional school, and that's what you expect in a Darul Ulum, and so on and so forth. And they kind of, you know, uh, work with their way around it and either they're going to be explicit or they're just going to fudge over the details and just quickly move on or they're going to really kind of go at it and I was genuinely you know like we did the circumcision one remember that one? yes and we produced the diagrams and we showed all their organs very very specifically and I have to say personally that's one of the best lessons that we've had because no, no one who watches that will leave in any kind of doubt exactly what the score is alright what the situation is over something that people uh, really don't have much clue about. And, uh, 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 and if you don't explain it personally, you see, back in the day, what would happen is if you didn't explain it, you'd ask someone and they basically tell you. Today, if you don't explain it, they themselves will go into Google and YouTube. And, you're, I mean, what would you search for? If you search for hermaphrodite, for example, hermaphrodite organs, can you imagine typing that into? Google and, and, and YouTube, what kind of nonsense would come up, what kind of, you know, activities come up, what kind of porn would be hidden in there as well, yeah? And likewise, when you're talking about, I don't know, like this issue here, uh, you know, talking about animal, and, you, you know, you'd read that and you would not understand what on earth that, that, that means. And imagine typing that into Google, and that's, that's obviously a disaster. So there is that other side where there's got to be some kind of attempt to actually produce and give everything so to avoid someone having to go and look further. On the other hand, you need to say that we need to trust our Muslims more and educate them that they should be able to go and look for this kind of in a responsible way. But I mean, how responsible can people be? I was, as I said, I was planning, I was planning, genuinely planning to find the liquid themselves and show pictures of it. Because... Last week, the questions, they, 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 they proved it. People didn't know what a, what, a, what a dream is, what an erotic dream is. People do not know when I'm trying to explain the consistency of sperm versus male versus female, prostatic fluid. And it's all about, it smells like this, it looks like that, it feels like this. So why wouldn't we just show a picture of it? And then you think, you know, if you're showing pictures of that, you know, isn't that a bit too much? And that was the thing that was playing with my mind, uh, because uh, uh, I went onto to Wikipedia, and it's interesting, it's the first time, well, no, it's not the first time actually, no, um, that I've noticed, but in Wikipedia, in showing the fluid, they actually show the penis as well. So that's not right, is it, for a child to be seeing that uh, as well? Uh, whereas... It, I know that scientific pictures are shown with it in a petri dish or on a finger or something like that. shown different types. What, what, what are the boundaries? What are the limits? I can tell you now that from a Sharia point of view, the Prophet of sometimes is very explicit, and sometimes, uh, most of the times, he's very metaphorical. Okay, so that question, then the question needs to be asked: Is that because he was shy that he was metaphor that he was metaphorical? Is there a concept of increasing, decreasing shyness amongst the companions? I think it's controversial to say so, but I do, down, deep down, I do think there is a different level of shyness. The fact that Sayyidina Uthman a.s. had this level of, yani haya, that the angels were shy more of him than anyone else, I think indicates that the different companions, they had different characters. You know, some people were very explicit. You will find sometimes some of the younger companions, no, some of the older companions, talking very frankly about sexual encounters of the of the old days. I remind you of how the good days used to be, and you know you need a young woman, etc. This kind of talk, you know, you're thinking, you know, very uh, if you're in a, if you're coming from a prude kind of background, or you feel, or you're that kind of very very conservative, that would feel really bad for you. Whereas if you're male and young and you come across that, you'd have a laugh and say, you know, that's pretty really cool. So it's, that's, 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 the, that's the difficulty. You see sometimes Aisha radiallahu anha, especially, and she's a female of course, but she was also obviously quite senior when many of these masail are being put to her, not in the earlier times but later, because she had lived for a long time after the death of Prophet So she was seen as senior, she was known as most knowledgeable, and the companions would go to her very, very young, yani, frank issues. <coughs> there would be hijab, there would be a baron, <coughs> and so on, but... Be very frank issues if the man enters the woman like this and does the husn, whatever if you're asking about that then if there's penetration but there's no emission then there is yeah, so quite frank statements so I genuinely am not too caught up with where the boundary should be I personally my own personal manhaj, my methodology is that whatever gets the issue understood goes I don't care if it needs to be a joke I don't care if it needs to be a metaphor I don't care if it needs to be the real thing But as long as the issue is understood by the people who are studying it, and then when it comes to the issue of age, I discussed that a little bit last week if you remember, I said that I'm from the kind of group of people that, if you don't tell your children, then, and they they want to know, this is a very sexualized society we live in, and they will hear about it, and they will then find out from other sources. And as I said, the two big major problems that we have is that people are not so nice and uh, sensible and responsible anymore, So they're going to be asking, you know, fools and gangsters and people who, you know, just a bunch of idiots really, immature fools, who will just tell them and show them things, whatever. Or they'll go and then do that kind of thing themselves and then they get used to the idea of using the internet secretly, etc, etc, and just creates a habit. So I do believe that it needs to be explained and that embarrassment thing needs to be got over and then further questions that need to be clarified then a man should man up and explain these kind of things. Uh, and uh, uh, mothers as well if necessary but of course it's easier for boys to poison and, and women to explain to girls so I do, I do want to just say that I do want to say that at the beginning um, because this, this lesson I mean I don't know you know I don't know how else to kind of really tame it down there's some crazy stuff here man okay so let's talk about a few things I really do want to go back to last week's lesson because even in the lesson itself some really good questions were, 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 were brought up Live and online, which I think that we should spend some time on. It's not really important, really, what we do with the text today. In actual fact, I do not even know where we are in the text. Anyone know? Anyone actually follow what, what line we ended with? Let's read it out first, Charles. Let's let's do our best here again. Yeah, you know, it's not like we haven't done it before. So bring it up so we can get rid of that black box. Yeah. So Ghusl Kitabul okay, or Ghusl, the chapter of bathing. So ghusl, the ritual bath, it is obligated in the following scenarios. Uh, and we've basically spent most of our time on number one, yeah? So the first way is the ejaculation of sperm. In spurts, gushing in spurts, and accompanied by pleasure. Okay, and this is the translation of the statement, دفقًا or دفقًا or دفقًا biladha. Okay, that it is... It is uh, 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 gushing and leather, meaning pleasure is associated with it from someone who is awake, okay from someone who is awake that 's a condition. Without these two characteristics, then this is not the case. So if it does not come out in spurts, if it 's not accompanied by pleasure, then it's something else, and we 're going to talk about that today that 's what I really want to talk about today. If one feels a sperm moving but it doesn't ex- exit then one still takes a bath because of that. That was the hanbani position, if you remember. Now now it's coming back to me where we are, because I said to you that that's not a position that I hold, and it's not the class position, and it's not the position of Sheikh Arith either. If the sperm exits afterwards, though, then it is ignored. And I think we spoke about that as well. Uh, The second point, I think we started this, huh? Anyone actually remember? Yeah, we started this, yeah? The glands of the penis, so the glands meaning the head, the tip, Okay? Completely penetrates a normal vagina or anus, okay, or even that of an animal or a deceased one. Uh, a non Muslim enters Islam, death, menstruation, postpartum bleeding, but not if one delivers without any bleeding. So, I'm going to explain all of these obviously later. Um, I for now, I just want to just talk a little bit about. Um, I think number one is completely done, isn't it, from a text point of view, and number two is the one that we are on. Now, can someone actually look at their notes and, and check? Because I don't have. I can't remember where. With that, these days, she's way too slow, man. I don't know what's happening in Canada. I know there's snow. Minus 40 degrees, it was yesterday, by the way. So she's got kind of an excuse, yeah, honey. But um, I don't know exactly what page we're on. And me doing her bestie like this hopefully will mean that next time she actually gives me the notes on Tuesday as opposed to Wednesday. Um, Anyone actually can online? Just see if anyone can. Yep, that's it. Okay. Let's just before we go to number two, and I did start it. Okay, I want to just quickly go back to number one and explain um, this concept here. I want to talk about. I want to talk about fluid. I want to talk about the different types of fluid. I want to talk about the difference between men and women. That's what I want to cover in this section. This right? so was was going back and filling in the gaps. Gaps which are knowledge gaps which I only realized afterwards when we saw the questions online. Okay. So there's people who were asking what is an erotic dream, what is a wet dream, do women have wet dreams and so on and so forth. So I'm going to try and explain this as best as I possibly can. Something which is very interesting that Abdullah ibn Abbas said is that anything which comes out is what causes the breaking of a fast and any uh, sorry, anything which goes in is what causes the breaking of a fast and anything which comes out is what obligates wudu. This is a little qa'ida, a little maxim that Ibn Abbas basically made. Anything which goes in breaks the fast. fast. And anything which comes out is what breaks the wudu. Now there are exceptions and there are asked, but, but, um, but this is a good overall principle to hold. So if we just look at fasting for example, then it's clear then. Anything which goes in and in here is really talking about in, then food and liquid and nourishment and whatever is going to work, okay? And doesn't even have to be food because anything which goes in, that's why the scholars said that even like if you swallowed a ring or a fly or something that you don't want to eat, and it goes in the fast is broken. All right. So see, it kind of covers everything. These are general statements which cover everything. Everything which comes out. So urine is from them. Okay. Some scholars use blood as an example then as well. Some scholars also said that the uh, uh, being sick, for example, if you're actually proper sick, you vomit. Then that's something which breaks the wudu as well. And then obviously, then we're talking about the uh, things which come out of the. Penis, okay, or the private parts, I should say. So what kind of excretions do we have? Let's list them, right? So out of the front, okay, we're talking with front. We have urine, which everyone shares in. And we have what we call sperm, is actually called semen, which is actually called seminal fluid. Okay, so we have seminal fluid, which comes out of both a man and a woman as well. We'll call it semen. Sperm is the street kind of phrase for... And it's only really useful for men, really, realistically. But if you use the the technical word, which is semen, which is short for seminal fluid, okay, then this is the sexual fluid of the man and the woman. It is the sexual fluid. When I say sexual fluid, I mean that when a man has an orgasm, a sexual orgasm, when he ejaculates. And ejaculation we talked about last week is when the sperm is ejected but in a gushing format then when that happens to the male okay there are a few things that happen and that's of course what the first point is when it comes out it has very specific characteristics it does not just leak its spurts if it leaks it's probably not semen or there's some kind of problem and when it comes out there is an intense feeling of of pleasure and as Sheikh al said afterwards complete exhaustion Actually, Sheikh Bin Baz uh, added something, and I just mentioned the scholars to give it legitimacy because this is not really the area of scholars, it's the area of medicine. And so doctors will also confirm this. And in fact, human beings, everyone will eventually go through this and and know. It is uh, a feeling of tiredness. And what's very interesting is that the feeling of desire is completely dissipated. So desire comes and increases during that process. That During the ejaculation, there's an intense feeling of pleasure, but then after it, it disappears. And then associated with that, as this feeling of, of pleasure disappears, is extreme tiredness, emptiness. That is the ejaculation of sperm for the male. And when it comes out, the fluid itself has a very clear characteristic. In terms of its color, it's mostly white. If not white, then cloudy. If not cloudy, then gray. This is the kind of color. It can be slightly colorless, a little bit, in terms of transparency. That's possible. And it can also have blood in it. That's also possible as well. In terms of its smell, then it has a very distinct smell of dough. It has a damp dough smell. Also a smell which is known as the, sm- the smell of pollen of the date tree. Pollen of the date tree. And it has a consistency. It is not thin. It is thick. Now, thick here does not necessarily mean sticky, but it is thick in its consistency. And this is sperm. This is semen from the male. For the female, she also has... Now, obviously... Sorry, let me just go back to the man. The, 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 The reason there's a lot more focus when it comes to the word semen... When you think of the word semen, we think male because the word is so commonly sperm. And when you think of the phrase sperm, you don't ever think of a woman because sperm is seen as the male version of semen. Although technically sperm itself has no... Anyway, so sperm is mentally associated with the male form of semen. The reason sperm is more known in the hearts and minds of people in terms of education is because it's more prominent. It happens far more often to a man than it does to a woman. And I don't mean just part of the sexual act itself, but I mean without the sexual act. And that's now what we're talking about when we go to sleep. So, men experience what's called a nocturnal <clears throat> emission. Now, a nocturnal emission is what we call an erotic dream, or what we call a wet dream, or a nocturnal ejaculation. Meaning that it happens. Doesn't mean necessarily at night time, but the reason nocturnal is used is because the length of time allows a person to go so deep to sleep. If you were sleeping that length of time during the daytime, then it would still be called a nocturnal ejaculation or emission, except that it's not happening in a nocturnal time. When the mind has become so relaxed and whatever, then what's basically happening? A man is orgasming in his sleep and he then ejaculates sperm. And that happens very regularly, especially to teenagers and twenty year olds and thirty year olds and so on and so forth and it's actually quite normal. It does happen to women, and that was the hadith of Umm Salama that we mentioned last week. Does this happen to women? The problem that does it happen to women? She she asked the Prophet ﷺ, and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said yes. When she sees the water, then this is this is what this is, this is what it is. So she also has a wet dream. We'll talk about this hadith a little bit later, inshallah. So The fact that men are seeing it more regularly, it's in the minds of people more regularly and it's easier to understand in that there is like a, uh, I just guess the organ and everything about it. I think it makes it more common. And that is what a a brother mentioned and I really appreciate him mentioning last week and he was a scholar um, in the lesson. He said that the problem is is that our women, uh, most of the books of fiqh, they talk about the male but they don't mention anything about the female. And that's actually true. If you look at this text, nothing is mentioned about the female. And even this, even though technically it covers the woman, if you read that number one, can you see anything that means to a woman? Even when you see, for example, if one feels the stern moving, but it doesn't exit. Even that phrase, it almost describes a penal structure, do you know what I mean? Doesn't kind of come across so much like a female one. Although if you know what you're talking about and you look between the lines, it can absolutely apply to the woman because it doesn't talk about the consistency of the sperm or the smell or the color, etc. Okay? It just says sperm. And I said the word sperm is not accurate and I will tra- change that translation later to semen. So that's the nature of the male semen. Okay? And obviously, the reason it gets a lot more focus is because it is fundamental for the creation of life. It is the male's contribution, whereas females, uh, uh, if I'm right, and if I'm wrong, you've got to correct me. But female semen has nothing at all, and her egg, pro- but her egg production is it based upon a, a, an orgasm? Completely, s- complete It's The cycle,
0: the egg production.
1: Yeah. So it has nothing to do with her being sexually excited, correct? So because everyone studies biology, everyone's going to study the creation of life, egg and sperm, and so on. Okay. You, you, as I said, the egg doesn't have anything to do with the sexual kind of act. And the sperm does. So again, it's in the minds of people. And that just leads to a greater ignorance of how is it that, that a woman has semen? Does woman have seminal fluid? Does woman have a sexual fluid? Now this is complicated because there are other types of fluid. The whole issue is covered because there are about four or five different types of fluid that come out. Sperm, when it comes out, it has these characteristics. I told you it's color in a male and it's feeling and everything. But for a female, she is also obligated to do ghusl when this happens. But for her, it will also spurt, but not in a way that of the man, because you never see anything like that happening. But it comes, it gushes. It gushes into her vagina. It also is associated with pleasurable feelings. So there's also an orgasm. Also, that pleasure, also that tiredness afterwards. But the consistency is different. It is fluid, it is thin, watery, more transparent, more yellow. That is its nature in terms of its color. The key lesson to learn here is that the woman herself, if she has intercourse or the male, whatever, it doesn't actually matter whether there is any semen produced. The ghusl is obligatory. That was the main lesson of last week. But if we're talking about people by themselves, in nighttime, they're going to sleep, and they have what's called a wet dream, then a female, when she has that, those things happen to her, and she has that wetness associated with that feeling, coming in that manner, then she has to do a ghusl just like the male does, and the male, of course, is doing it far more regularly, because that's just the reality between them. Now, last week we introduced another fluid. We called it Madhi. Okay? We said Madhi is a different type of fluid. Its actual name is called pre-seminal fluid. Pre-seminal fluid. Some people call it prostatic fluid. I don't know about that. Okay? But it is pre-seminal fluid. What does pre-seminal mean? It is also linked to the sexual experience. It is also linked to desire. And and erotic feelings and so on, but it has no pleasure associated with it when it comes out. It does not come out in spurts whatsoever. It's very clearly different to spur. Okay? It's its a consistency is that it is sticky and it is far colored, more colourless than the spur. It is white to greater transparent. It is more colourless. Okay, and this will occur in the male and in the female, and this is the kind of fluid which, in of itself, is as I said, um, like the scholars they would say this. This is a this is an example so that you understand it. If a man was to go to sleep thinking of erotic uh, thoughts or whatever, okay, sexual thoughts, and then they were to go to sleep. The, the, this is the kind of fluid that starts to gather and start to emit, starts to come out during ero- erotic thoughts without any erotic feelings without any sexual feelings so it just starts to flow and that's the kind of thing that if you wake up and you see you rule upon that basis the ulama, they said that if someone saw or thought of something before they went to sleep and they woke up and they saw the fluid, the ruling will be based upon madhi And not money, not sperm, not semen, as we're going to talk about. They said semen is when you didn't have any kind of thoughts actually going to sleep. But in the night time, there was a dream or some form of whatever. Whatever it could be, contact, could be anything. But the point is is that then you ejaculate and it has all of the the, uh, feelings associated with them. The question, of course, was that when you wake up, and you don't remember anything. You can't remember what it was before you went to sleep. You can't remember what it was when you were during sleep. What ruling do you base it upon? First of all, we need to go back and think. What was the actual basic principle? What was it that I remember? Uh, you know that that, that, that I rem- that, that I remember happened before I went to sleep. We said last week that if you see money, if you see sperm, and you are able to ascertain it is sperm. From its color, from its smell, from its consistency, you have to make ghusl. It doesn't matter whether you remember the dream or not. That's what I mentioned. By the way, if you didn't watch last week's lesson, then you're going to be confused. You do need to go back and watch last week's lesson. Okay? So, if you see money, then it doesn't matter whether you remember anything, it is confirmed. But what if you see fluid and you can't work out whether it's money? It's not very clear to you that it's money, it's not very clear to you that it's money. then it is permissible for you to. Assume it to be madhi and not have to make ghusl. It is obviously some early said then it's a correct position, then it's best to be on a safe side. And if you're in doubt about what it is, then you make ghusl anyway. You would make ghusl anyway. And that's something which is acceptable. But if you can't remember any kind of dream, and especially if you can remember that you are having some form of sexual force before you went to sleep, then we can safely say that this is more likely to be madhi and then it has a different ruling. What are the rulings? I told you last week, mani semen. Is actually a pure substance so that means that the uh, whether it's on the skin whether it's on the clothes and so on and so forth it doesn't affect the clothes or the skin you can actually you don't, you don't need to wash them but it coming out obligates ghusl that's the reason why it's number one okay it have, you have to make ghusl whereas madhin is like urine okay what's urine najas okay is filthy meaning if it gets onto skin or onto clothes then those places need to be cleaned and washed but you do not need to make ghusl, what do you need to do mm-hmm. just make normal wudu and that's that's the, the nature of the the uh uh uh, uh the ruling that, that one applies to it there's a there's a different uh, fluid as well and this is called wadi now wadi okay I don't think I can think of an English name for it. Maybe prostatic fluid or whatever. And some of the people said that it follows after uh, urine. It comes after urine. And it has a kind of thicker consistency and so on and so forth. And the ulama they differ over whether this is pure or not. Some said it is pure. Some said it is najis. Some said that whatever. What is, what is 100% clear, you do not need to make ghusl for it. Wudhu, you're going to make anyway because you just urinated. As for its purity, they differed. And in general, the ulema, in general, they gave it the ruling of impurity. And so therefore treating it like urine. The other big emission, the other big liquid is female secretion. Female vaginal secretion. Okay, that's the big one. Why is it big? Men obviously don't know about it because they don't talk about it. But for women, it's happening all the time, day and night. And the basic principle is what? The basic principle is that when it comes out, it obligates wudu. As for the fluid itself, it is not najis. It is pure. It is clean, it's almost like semen, almost like semen. Okay, in terms of its purity. But when it comes out, it does not obligate wudu. Now, um, sometimes this vaginal secretion, vaginal discharge, I should say, its color varies. And the ages that the people uh, uh, get it uh, uh, at also varies. But it can sometimes be continuous. Now, if any fluid is continuous, which obligates wudu, it gets a specific ruling. It's like the ruling of incontinence. And I've written about that extensively. And you can search Google for that. And I've told you about that before. That my ruling on that is that, well, not, the majority of the scholars, what do they say? They say that if a person is having continuous vaginal discharge whether it is, uh, and by but continuous vaginal discharge I mean secretion, I mean fluid, then they will make wudu' for each prayer and they will clean themselves, pad themselves up and they will continue to do all the actions in that prayer time that they need to, then for the next uh, uh, salah they will do the same, and then for the next salah they will do the same, yes? This is the same ruling for this vaginal discharge. This is the same ruling for istihada, which is irregular vaginal bleeding. So that's blood, which is just bleeding, bleeding after menses. This is not stopping. This is the same for incontinence of urine or feces. This is the same for wind. Someone passing wind continuously because of IBS or because of any other condition, male or female. So the ulema they said, that a person should make wudu every single time for each prayer. If it's continuous because otherwise keep going back and make wudu every five minutes would become too much of a difficulty I told you my own personal position My personal ruling is that a person does not need to make wudu He only needs to make wudu once and then the only other time and I mean by wudu I mean istinja and wudu and the only time that he needs to make istinja and wudu again Is when he or she breaks their own wudu meaning they go to sleep or they go to the toilet But what's happening below is ignored is it ignored? In- in- you've made your wudu once and this is not, not something which is under your control and this is as I said before this is the position of Imam Malik alayhi rahmatullah and also one of the opinions of Ibn Taymiyyah and I believe to be the opinion of Ibn Taymiyyah but certainly in this kind of time this is what I am more comfortable with so that's basically different types of fluid I don't know whether, kind, I don't know whether that was very coherent or not um, maybe we should take it from the top Urine, impure substance, has to be cleaned from the clothes, only needs to make wudu. Semen, whether male or female, whether thick white or yellow thin water. Semen, pure substance, does not need to be cleaned from the clothes or the skin or whatever must make a complete ghusl once it has been seen. Madhi, pre-seminal fluid, impure substance like urine, has to be cleaned from the skin and from the clothes, but does not require ghusl, only requires istinja and wudu. What's next? Vaginal discharge Vaginal discharge Pure substance Does not need to be cleaned from the Underwear And a person needs to make Istinja and Wudu As a result of it Okay And you can put Wadi in at the end Which is this fluid Which comes after urination sometimes Thick in its consistency More whiter in its consistency Something which itself The ulama, they differed over Completely on every aspect It should be made wudu' for And in terms of its impurity or purity It's best to assume It is impure Even though some ulama, they said there's no evidence for it Even the Shaykh Al-Tameen being one of them But we'll come to that in its right time Think generally What I want you to do is to look at Not only today's lesson, questions Now, but also bring up another window Last week's as well and let's make sure that everyone's questions are answered on this because it's pointless us moving forward on this chapter without everyone understanding. One thing, um, uh, again, I'll go back to is the concept of a white dream. There was a number of sisters that were saying, genuinely, we don't understand how is there such a thing as a white dream. It's simply this. And I want to try and... I, I would create two scenarios to define what would happen in, in, in a so-called... Um, or two scenarios where someone sees something, okay? The idea is this, if you wake up in the middle of your sleep and you're realizing that you are gushing and you are having a sexual experience and all the pleasure, then it's clear, man or woman, you're orgasming and it's it's job done, it's clear and and you have to make ghusl and whatever. But the idea is is that if you're sleeping and you don't feel it happening, then the only way you're going to know is when you wake up and you see the fluid or the stains or whatever. So man or woman, it doesn't matter. you now go back and you'll think. If you remember that there was a wet dream, that there was some form of sexual activity, and subhanAllah, I want to talk a little bit about dreams here, okay? Um, you know, dream interpretation, okay? This is an Islamic science. Yusuf alayhi is one who started it off in the Qur'an. In the Quran, Yusuf saw really strange things and he was able to make very ajeeb interpretations. If you're seeing things making frustration to you and then you're comparing it to something else, the metaphor is a very strong metaphor meaning something else. And you will know that if you take, and I'm like, I'm I, 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 it's not my area, I'm not very good at it. I've learned a little bit from Shaykh who I think is really good at it. Yeah, yeah, Shaykh Ilan, masha'Allah, is really good at dream interpretation. Okay, and like the dream interpretation is not necessarily knowledge; it's his own area, it's his own skill. Okay, it's an ability to be able to hear many, many dreams interpreted, and you start to get a feeling for a pattern. Because there's nothing from the Quran. There's very little from the Quran and Sunnah. Which I mean, there, there, there's something there, but very little to build upon. That's why the famous book, which is written by uh, Ibn Sina, Ibn Siree, Muhammad Ibn I'm sorry, the Tabi'i. Dream Interpretation, okay? It itself is not a book that you can really take into. Like, you know, you can't base your aqeed upon it. You can't say, yeah, every time we follow these principles. No, not possible. Because it's just such a subjective field. And you are going to be putting your trust in someone. People will see different colors and rooms, you know, uh, oil on the wall and water on the floor. And are you drowning? Is this a negative sign or is this barakah? Water is always barakah. But if you're drowning in it, and people are being killed in it, it's difficult then to give it a positive feel. And so on and so forth. The point I'm trying to make is that in Sharia, we understand that what you see in a dream is not what it's actually meant to mean, literally, but it has a very metaphorical meaning. Now, the reason I say that, and I want to I say this very openly and frankly to all my brothers and sisters, is to teach them something. That wet dreams... Will sometimes come in a very bad way, so you will see you doing sexual acts with people that you don't ever expect it, even of even of the same sex, even homosexual acts, and your mind will get yeah, Obviously, you get freaked out by that. So what I'm trying to say to you is that that is a a classic nature of dreams that they are you are yani yeah, and it's not necessarily a good dream, but the question is that you might say to yourself, how am I uh, becoming sexually excited in a homosexual act which is haram and which is not possible and so on and the reason for that is because the way that your mind is interpreting the way that your mind is seeing something is not linking up to the actual physical reality of your body it's like you know they say that if you want to uh, 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 you know the, 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 the pious the special people they regularly see the Prophet ﷺ in their dreams okay And a question was asked, how can I do that? And the answer to that is that the more closer you are, it's a cliched answer, but it's the truth, the more closer you are to the sunnah, the more you love the Prophet, the more you read about him, then the more you're going to be likely to, everything that you see is going to be interpreted into that kind of way. They gave the example that they said that if you uh, uh, keep thinking about and eating lots of salt, and thinking about salt, and all the rest of it, when you go to sleep, you're going to be absolutely really thirsty all the way through. If you just keep thinking, guess what they say? I don't know if that's true or not. But you know that there's a I don't know what the word is metaphysical, there's a psychological, but there's cer- certain, subliminal. Huh? Mm-hmm. subliminal kind of thing going on which causes a reality in a dream. And I know that you know I, that certainly happens to me when I'm thinking of someone specifically or a conversation. Then I'll see them in a dream. Now, you know, what's the link between that? If the conversation is something like here and our discussion is something completely different and so on. So there is a connection. Now, I'm only saying that because people need to know that an erotic dream isn't the most kind of halal thing that you're thinking of. That you're maybe with your husband or with your wife, you know, uh, in the act or whatever and and that's it. No, it can be something with a celebrity. It can be with someone that you didn't wish to. It could be with someone else's wife, for example, Haram things can happen. Also, some ulama they mentioned that the mind, if the mind is a very conservative and Islamic way, then it will not even show sexual organs. But it will show things instead of sexual organs. So, for example, for the male organ, it will show like, I don't know, like a spike or a tower or a chimney or whatever. They said, for example, the female body. They said that uh, the female body would not be the mind is so Trying to suppress the, the blasé nature of the, of the thought that instead you'll be seeing hills, for example, to, 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 with, with respect to her breasts, valleys, and, and, and so on, for other uh, aspects of her body, and likewise the man as well. And despite seeing that in a very innocent way in your dream, one would ejaculate. Do you understand my point? Meaning that men and women need to be educated on the fact that don't think that you're just going to see some straight form of you know, sexual kind of material and suddenly you're going to have a wet dream. It doesn't work like that. It, all kinds of crazy things can happen. Halal and haram that can be seen. And what happens, I know because I remember some people come to see me over the years, it's been a long time now, okay, where they come and they get really depressed They say that, you know, I saw the craziest thing and if I was awake, that would never, ever happen. You know, there was no way that I would see that as something sexual. Haram, it's kufar, it's this, it's that, but it happened in my dream. What's wrong with me? So I'm trying to say to you that the nature of dreams is that there's very little connection between the reality of what's being seen and what happens to your body. So I'm just saying that, like, don't get too stressed out by that. And we only should be worried about the ruling itself. When it happens, we're doing it for the cleansing of the body. In fact, uh, I think it is Ubay ibn Ka'ab. Ubay ibn I think he said, um, what did he say? He said that when I, when, when, I, when I thought about, and I'm paraphrasing here, when I thought about the, uh, the, the, the wisdom of making ghusl, um, I understood that it was for the impurity of the ejaculation. Okay uh, 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 because the sexual act is not something impure it is something which is rewarded it produces good it prevents haram so we mustn't look at it in a negative way but if we look at it that it is the fluid itself which is causing the problem or the way that it comes out then we kind of understand the holistic reasoning behind why we're having the shower why we're having the ghusl it's like a physical kind of purification. It's like a process where you say, I did something impure and now I'm doing something pure. It's not necessarily a cleansing of the body. We've mentioned that many, many times. That nothing in sharia, whether it's wudu or whether it's also physically cleans the body. It doesn't cleanse the body. I told you, we're going to see in a little, in a little, well, next week or whatever, that you're going to wash your entire body with four of these. Now, I'm sorry, yeah, I can't wash my leg with four of these. What are you going to do a demonstration. <laughs> <laughs> see, Shazabi wants to get me in trouble again. So, four of these, huh? You join some trust. So, obviously, you can see that the focus is not on cleaning per se, right? Um, it is a spiritual exercise which purifies the actual act itself. And I think that for me, for me, that ties in well that with people should not have feelings of guilt when it comes to a wet dream or something like that. And so therefore the male and the female, whatever happens, as long as they remember something happened in the night, and then they see the fluid, then they look at the fluid, and they see that it has the, 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 the characteristic of sperm, yellow nature, more liquidy for the female, uh, more kind of you know, the specific smell, and thick and white for the male, the ghusl then comes into play. That's for male and female. And sisters do get it, males get it far more often. Call it erotic dream, call it wet dream, call it nocturnal mission, call it what you want. Whereas madhi is something entirely different. I cannot emphasize that enough. That madhi can start immediately upon sexual thoughts, for male and female. Actually really common in females. Okay? That it can happen immediately, just upon talking. Just to, In fact, the entire act of foreplay is considered to be the arena of madhi. Whereas the actual sexual act itself is the arena of sperm or semen. That's the easiest way to understand it. And that's why we said that uh, Madhi would be the kind of thing that when you're having sexual thoughts, whilst you're awake and you're pretty much in control or whatever, and then you go to sleep and nothing actually happens because your thoughts are now finished and you see fluid, it is always going to be Madhi. If you never saw no wet dream in nighttime and then you woke up with liquid in the morning, then you would not rule upon sperm. Because first of all, you look at it and say, does it look like sperm? And then you would say, right, where else can it be? Ah, there was thoughts. Then you just wash the area, wash yourself, I mean, uh, or a uh, stinja but no husul required. I think that's what, all I can think of, but it's difficult if I'm not being asked specific questions. So let's move to questions. So 1st the and then go and look through the Yeah. Is semen not always preceded by a person in your birth? Um, I think, is it not always... That's one for the doctors. You always have pre
0: seminal fluid. Always. Because if that's the case, then when you get seen in a cold, it would be considered
1: impure because it's pre seminal fluid. So, this is why, yeah, what the brother asked me is a really good question. The brother said um, uh, pre seminal fluid, as doctors confirmed, is always going to be emitted before seminal fluid. And we've just said that pre-seminal fluid is impure and sperm is pure. That means it's a mixture of both. So then, you know, isn't that a problem for the sperm? And I want to say to you, as a cop-out, that this is why some of the ulama they said that madhi is pure. They actually said that madhi itself is pure. Does that make sense? هل mm. <intermittently> <laughs> قال يعني دائما قبل المني يعني بقليل mm-hmm. فلو قلت يعني المني ان يكون ايضا شيء <me> أي. so that is why and we're going to come to a part where Sheikh Uthameen discusses it and i can tell you that i think that Sheikh Uthameen himself yeah, and he, you know, he doesn't want to really go to town with it, but he also considers it maybe to be pure. But he's not gonna, he's not gonna say that. But I'm just saying that some ulama they therefore considered madhi to be pure. That'd be one explanation for it. Other explanations would be that it has been dominated, it's not there, it's not present, can't be seen, ruling is not given to it, etc., etc., etc. But those are also cop-outs. You know what I'm saying? But your 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 point stands stands clear. If there is pre-seminal fluid then the area has become unclean. So why is it then that the Prophet ﷺ did not then clean the area, wash, when I say clean the area, when I say clean the area, by the way, I don't mean that it's just left as it is. I mean that one doesn't have to physically wash the area. Okay? Even, by the way, I want to say about madi. Even madi, prostatic fluid, everybody, preseminal fluid, sorry? What's prostatic fluid? Is that another saying? Yeah? Okay, so pre-seminal fluid, madhi even that doesn't need to be washed, by the way, from clothes. The Prophet ﷺ would do nothing upon it. He wouldn't يعني, pour water on it and make a ghusl. He doesn't make ghassal of it. It is sprinkled with water. So even that is not like urine, because urine has to be washed. Yeah. So it's like in a position even in between. But it is impure, meaning that if it is on your skin, it has to be taken away. But if it's upon the clothes... Then the Prophet made nadh over it. So we can almost say, to answer your question, that it has a unique state of somewhere in between pure and impure, andor that it's an exception to the general rule by the action of the Prophet only sprinkling water upon it. That's definitely a a position that can be held. But your point is valid. But But the final ruling is based upon sperm, of course. And, and the reason for that is because the Prophet made it very, very clear. If, as we said, we've just confirmed, and I, 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 did, I wasn't just sure of it. I did, I did go that way, but I wasn't completely sure. But yes, if no sperm can come out without pre-seminal fluid coming out, then the Prophet definitely did not act upon madhi. He acted upon many. And now that we know that madhi was there, it is almost like it's ignored. Or it's like it's pure. Or it's like it's dominated. Whatever opinion you choose... The easiest way is that it's an exception to the rule. Yeah. So
0: my first question. Second question. If you look at the first paragraph, and we dealing about the women everywhere, what is it in that, that paragraph there in English that obligates a whistle for a woman?
1: Because there's no sperm in women. Which is why I said, take the word sperm out, make it semen. What I mentioned in last week's lesson, what I mentioned in last week's lesson is that really sperm was a mistake by myself to translate it as. Even and semen? actually representing my own kind of, uh, you know, my thinking. But
0: even seminal fluid yep. is from a male.
1: No, seminal fluid can also be with a, a female semen. as well. Semen. semen. If it's a sperm, then it is obviously male. But does a woman have seminal fluid? Does she have, does she have a sexual fluid? Hmm. Does she have yes. an ejaculate? Yes which comes out after orgasm. Yes. The, main thing, the main thing to understand here is that the only thing that's going to obligate ghusl in a woman is that which comes out in spurts after climax, after an orgasm, then it is, it is, uh, it is many. Now, what we call that so, it, it, it cannot be called seminal fluid at all? No, because seminal fluid comes from seminal fluid. And that's uh, so only in a male. Yeah, okay. So, that's another, another accurate statement we need to add then, ejaculate. But I don't think that we can translate mani as ejaculate. No. Because that is semen. Yes.
0: That's
1: so, okay, so I guess then the point that we can add is that we won't call it semen for the woman, we'll call it sexual fluid or ejaculate or ejaculate but there's got to be <coughs> there's got to be a name there's got to be a name for it use ejaculate from man because that would refer to something that pushes out and happens at okay so the next question is is there, is there anything which ejaculates other than sperm in a male yeah so it's only a, a sperm and is there anything which ejaculates in a woman other than that which happens upon climax and orgasm so then ejaculate is the correct word then. Then ejaculate is the correct word because the ejaculate of the female, we've said, it has to have the same, these two conditions, gushing and accompanied by pleasure and everything that happens afterwards. And its physical characteristics are always going to be changing. The smell is going to be roughly like dough or this or that. It's going to have a dry feature and a, and a, and a wet feature. In the female, it's more liquidy and more yellowy and whatever. Whereas in the male, it is thicker and whiter. And and uh, and uh, uh, yeah, so that's also good. That's also good, yeah, yeah. Can I just ask you yeah. green because one of the things you mentioned is deciding is this pre-Suna presumable fluid or is this ejaculate? Yes, so my issue with that is that if the description that you've given of ejaculate from if my memory serves me correct, ejaculate changes. So initially, Over time, you, in terms time, of so initially, when it comes out, it has the characteristics that you said Yes. But it has enzymes within it Yes, break it down. Yes. And so after a period of time, it yes. becomes thinner, thinner. Sure. And that's obviously because in the woman, it has to go from
0: where it is put to the fallopian tube. Yes. So it changes. So if you're trying to identify a fluid by its characteristics, so many hours after
1: it. Your point is, it's very difficult. So my question to you then, I'd ask you a couple of questions. The first question I'd ask is that whilst Mani is breaking down, is Madhi breaking down as well? And if so, is after five hours, six hours, three hours, the level of breakdown that which makes them both the same or still distinct? And if that's the case, that they are still distinct, then we still have something to go on. If they are not distinct, then the Ulema have ruled. Like I said at the beginning, there's no doubt that the safest and best position is that after there is fluid found in the morning, then it is safer to do and we did it and again, um, those who wrote notes, then I I wrote like I think three or four scenarios, didn't I? I said that when you wake up you are gonna be in one of three or four states. This is what happens then when Yeah, I wrote it, but I can't now think, I can't see now what it is. Oh yeah, here it is, yeah, okay. Okay, look, let's just do it again. For the sake this is page 335 of Al-Mumti' For of the, this is page 335 of al when a person wakes up and he finds moisture, then he will only be in three particular scenarios. Number one. أن the first of these scenarios is that he is 100% it is many. This does not matter whether he saw the wet dream or not, uh, whether he remembers the wet dream or not. Because he wakes up and he sees clear sperm. It could have happened just before he went to sleep, um, just before he woke up, or it didn't break down, or whatever. Or the smell is still there. I do get what you're saying about the enzymes. I just wonder how much of the characteristics are ruined. Maybe the consistency. But is the smell gone? And the smell of dough is a very prominent smell. Okay? So the first state is that he wakes up, <laughs> bottom of 335 chest. Um... Uh, that's the first thing. Certain that it is semen, doesn't matter. He can't remember whether it was a dream or not. The second, أَن يَتَيَقَّنَ أَنَّهُ لَيْسَ The second scenario is that he is... positive. So the first one, he was 100% positive that it was semen, regardless of the dream, that he can remember it or not. But he can just see it, or she sees it, and the story. The second scenario is that he or she is 100% certain it is not semen. This is either because of what it looks like, or because of, you know, they can't remember anything, or regardless, but they're sure that it's not semen. In this case, there is no ghusl, but the area needs to be washed because it is given the ruling of urine. Okay, I mentioned this last week. It is given the ruling of urine. And the third scenario. أَسَّالِسَةُ أَن يَجْهَلَ هَلْ هُوَ He's not sure. Can't tell. Is it mani or not? فَإِنْ وُجْدَ مَا يُحَانُ عَلَيْهِ الْحُكْمُ بِكَوْنِهِ مَنِيًّا أَوْ or أُحِيلَ الْحُكْمُ عَلَيْهِ if there is something which indicates that it is either Mani or Madhi, from whatever the indicators may be, then he rules according to that. He will then act according to that. yujad tahara. If he or she does not find anything which clearly indicates that this is Madhi, or this is Mani, then what's the basic rule? The basic rule that a person is pure. The basic rule is a person's pure and everything that's happening around them is pure, and we don't have this clear evidence which takes my purity away. There's no way that you're going to make me impure unless you can 100% prove it. Therefore, ghusl is not obligated upon him. What are some of the ways that you can look for an indicator? One of them is to try and think of the wet dream. Did you have a wet dream? Can you remember the wet dream? فإننا If I can, then it is considered money. It is considered semen. I therefore have to make ghusl. When he was asked about this exact scenario, then the Prophet said, Yes, if he if she sees the water, if she sees the fluid. Okay? Wa illam Yara Shayan Fi if he doesn't see something in his dream, can't remember that there was a dream, waqad tafkirun If he cannot remember that there was a dream, but remembers before he went to sleep that there were some thoughts, then the ruling is the ruling of Madi pre-seminal fluid. Because many prostatic, pre-seminal fluid, it comes out upon thoughts, not actual physical feeling. If there was no dream and there was no thoughts before he went to sleep, then the ulama, they had two positions. The first position, has to make ghusl out of safety, احتياطا out of caution. And second, wa qila la yajib, wa The second is that he doesn't have to, and these, these two are obviously diametrically opposed. And both positions are acceptable. Both positions are acceptable because if you say you don't, then it's because we're saying that I'm pure until you prove it wrong. And if you say that you should do it out of caution, uh, you know, out of uh, uh caution then that's always going to be a winner with, 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 with everyone, with the scholars. Not going to be a winner with the packs, you know what I mean? Yeah. but it's going to be obviously great with the scholars. They're going to be happy with that. So that basically explains all of the potential scenarios. Yeah. We
0: talked about this previous lesson though, when
1: you say um, the scholars prefer caution, yes. I do understand that in that so, so and, and that's why they will always be at pains to say, we're never going to obligate it. So the people who will say we prefer X, when you push them on it, they'll say never will it be farth upon the person. That's their get out clause. They're just saying that, yep, we're still going with that. Certainty is always yeah, going to be, you know, you can't remove certainty by doubt. But we're just saying it'd be great if you do it and just, you know, get a cautious practice going. So, you know, cautious, the whole caution card is a nice kind of convenient one. What's the, class the class position is that definitely it is not obligatory and you know my personal position. I'm always Mr. Caution Anything that can be done any yani, as an additional is good, but obligation? No There's no evidence. No evidence whatsoever and the basic principle is Tahara and There is a very clear process that the Prophet ﷺ applied Did you see the water? This is the manner did uh, does the woman? Uh, 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 have these thoughts Yes. Yeah. I and mean, there's a very clear uh, acceptance that there is a, a cause a reason and a cause and then a consequence, so I'm, I'm comfortable with that I'm comfortable with that. I mean, that that is a lesson today to be honest, we've spent more than normal lesson time just talking about that, which is fine which is fine, but I do want to make sure that this whole issue is covered up so let's take alternate questions, let's go online first, yeah
0: there's a ruling, um of needing to make a after vaginal discharge applies to all types of vaginal discharge. For example, women can get vaginal discharge related to one infection, psych, uh, physiology, dependent on time of the menstrual psychology. When a woman ovulates, some women can have regular discharge, but not necessarily on a daily basis. But this is considered medically normal.
1: So, so, so different types. We, that's not for now. We're going to have to look at that later because there's a, there's a section on that. But I'm talking about the normative of vaginal discharge. Normal vaginal discharge, which happens all the time, is a pure substance that requires wudu.
0: When one makes wudu after urination and sees the fluid, well, they, does he have to make
1: wudu again? When a man sees fluid coming out after he has made istinja, I'm guessing. Yes,
0: yeah, he's made istinja, made wudu, and then he sees it.
1: Yeah. That's why it's Um if it is there, then it is given the ruling. As I said, it goes back down to the issue then of what is, the, what is the nature of it. The ulama, they talked about, for example, if any kind of fluid is seen after ghusl, does a person need to make ghusl again? And none of the ulama said that the ghusl needs to be made again, but the wudu' should be made again. So if a person does see that, then they should then, yes, make istinja and make wudu' again. If they see fluid afterwards, that's coming out clearly. Allah knows best. Allah knows best
0: are there any opinions of female secretions normal daily ones based on medical gynecological point of view as being as oral as no secretions as oral as no secretions normal you mean sorry hang on normal daily secretions sorry.
1: thank you <laughs> 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 are you awake yeah alright in fact, I don't even know what even that question means now. now. I have to say it again now, properly. You know what,
0: uh, they've said that, they said, normal daily secretions, sorry, as normal as no secretions. As being as normal as no secretions.
1: Right, okay. I mean, I get what the person is trying to say. The answer is no. The answer is no. <laughs> that vaginal discharge is not seen as normal as nose secretions.
0: Seven fluid only occurs while sleeping, wet dream, whereas vaginal discharge can can happen any time of the day, right? Correct.
1: Vaginal discharge is not linked to sexual activity. It is a constant uh, produced whatever. And I believe that it might increase at certain times stress, sexual experience, blah, 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 blah.
0: The former requires also why the latter doesn't break rule.
1: I said that the, the. And I want you to know that the vaginal discharge question is one which there has been huge difference of opinion over. And we are not doing justice talking about it here. It has its own chapter, okay? And we will talk about it properly then, and maybe even we'll give it yani, some, a real proper airing, I mean, serious discussion. I'm just saying that the majority of the scholars, they consider it to be a substance which is pure, requiring wudu, and there are a number of other scholars, prominent ones, that don't consider it to need wudu. So that is something that we will cover in detail. But for now, for now, just like Yanni, you know, when you're young and you learn, you know that there's only so many things that are whatever in the periodic table. And then 20 years later, there's like a load more. We will deal with it properly when its time comes. But for now, we will act, understanding it to be a pure substance that requires wooldo, not like what the sister has said. Just for now.
0: Right. I know it's a bit crude, but the text mentions certain orifices in which glands enter bodily, uh, bodily enter a bodily object. Therefore, would Gustav be obligated if the glands enter the mouth?
1: Correct, correct, and correct, and we'll come to that.
0: It is possible that urine gets mixed up with the semen, and so it becomes impure.
1: It is possible if there is urine there, but that is—I I don't think that's a that's a that's a not a biological necessity. It's not it's not a biological necessity. That, or biological fact, that when there's semen, there has to be urine. Unlike madhi, the pre-seminal fluid, which is there before it.
0: What is it really for when a woman sees a wet dream but does not see anyone who is doing it when she wakes up in the morning?
1: Doesn't matter. It That's the reason that we discussed that, is that a wet dream is not based upon the characters or the action. It is understood that there's an experience and then a consequence, and not about characters in the actual dream, which is why I went into that detail. Which is an indication why I answered that question, because it happens to people. It it happens regularly actually. Yeah.
0: Well I mean it's probably uh, if one cannot do whusl because of a headache being worsening or extreme sinusitis or the
1: excuse. Yep, we'll come we'll come to the exceptions to Husel and so on later. We done anything on the ground? Yeah. So that's also going to come later, uh, the actual uh, the, the etiquettes and the nature of ghusl and so on and so forth. But yes, in principle, the ghusl, and I actually they asked this last week as well, and I answered it as well, last week. In principle, one makes ghusl quick, because ghusl, uh, janaba is a state which angels are not comfortable with, the Qur'an is not recited in, dhikr is not healthy in, etc., 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 and so that's not the kind of right state that a Muslim is in. However, however, and that's the last line of this chapter, there is a concept of lightening the state of sexual impurity. So there is an idea that you can do something to your body which allows you to do certain things which you might not have done before because you're in a state of impurity. Before you get yourself ready for ghusl the next morning, five hours later, etc. And that's basically wudu. But not just wudu. You would either wash your hands and face and mouth. Or you would do a wudu without washing your feet. Or you would do the complete wudu. All of these have been narrated from the companions. And they would do all of these things before they would repeat intercourse. Before they would go to sleep. And before they would eat. Meaning there is a clear indication that the janaba, the state of sexual impurity, is like a what 's the word an inhibitor from doing everything, so i 've got to try and get it off my back as best as possible, and there 's things that I can do. but to really make yourself free again obviously requires also.
0: Just one last question. Um, as we 're going to continue sometimes some kind of secretion, although the nature of it changes over the cycle based on what she said then a woman should be taking wudu each time don't really understand when A.E. E. said his position was to just take wudu when it is broken in another way so can you clarify
1: what i mean what i mean by my position okay when i say my position my position is a fatwa for an abnormal situation the abnormal situation is that this woman is in a constant state of vaginal discharge she makes wudu and it happens again. She makes wudu and it happens again. So it's going to drive her crazy. She's going to spend more time in the bathroom than out of it. So for this woman, it doesn't matter whether it's happening every day or whether it's happening for seven days only uh, due to her, uh, uh, you know, the, the discharge de- increase and decreasing due to her menstrual reality, which probably is true. I think there are some factors. Then for that period of time, if it is constant, then. You know, we have to treat it like it was urine. If it was urine, it wouldn't think twice about it. You'd say, I can't be. If you were good. Look, let's change the parameters in the question. Let's swap discharge for urine. If someone said that I only urinate for four days out of a month, but I'm urinating constantly for those four days, you wouldn't hesitate to say, I need a fatwa. Do you know what I mean? I need a fatwa for that. I need something to help me out. And so therefore, we'd say, the, the man say, make wudu for each prayer. I'm saying you can either follow that opinion, which is the position of the majority, or you can follow the maliki position, which is that you make wudu once, and then you don't need to until you yourself go to the toilet, or break it intentionally, with, a, with an intention. So I have no problem praying it in what the sister is saying. So, so, so is best. for example, let to say that you, you are uh, urinating all the time, and so then you break wind. So then you have like to make wudu. Correct, way. correct. You yeah. breaking the wudu yourself. So, exactly like that. If a person is suffering from urine incontinence and then they go for a number two, or they pass wind, or they go to sleep, or they XYZ, then that's when they would make, need to make wudu again. Because they have willfully. And the, what's the reasoning? The reasoning is straightforward. Why is the reasoning there that allows us to make wudu once? Because we're saying that whatever's happening to the body is out of your control, it's involuntary. And whereas when you do something that is in your control, i.e., pass away and go to sleep, then yes, you need to make wudu. That's the that's where the reasoning is coming from. And actually, if you do, if you want to read the article, there's more than reasoning. There's a critical study of the hadith, of, uh, of the hadith which the scholars use to make the wudu every prayer time. There's a problem with the text. You look at it and you study it. It's a really interesting masala. hadith in Bukhari as well. It's a very interesting masala, you know. Anyway, Zach Mullahir. Not
0: something. Look, for example, when we are talking about the Jama'ah or
1: sexual meetings, when you look at the Quran, for example, as you mentioned, the life of the generation, like You start the Yes. Look, for example, the Quran. Are you thinking, why would you this, do this? So the Shaykh is basically saying that if we look at the Qur'anic narrative, if we look at the Qur'anic narrative, you will see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always talking in a manner about the organs in a way which is not explicit. And the Prophet Wasallam went in talking about the sexual acts and so on. Again, not explicit. When you approach. Uh, to Ba'ashir, is I don't know how to uh, translate that best, but it is physical, physically touch, okay. And others is touching and touching and approaching and uh, enter and so on and so forth, okay. Or when you sow, for example, when you you know in, in this kind of manner, and all of these are phrases in order to uh, take away the what's the word. The vulgarness explicit, Explicit, yeah, take away the explicit vulgarity of the organs and the act itself. And why is it that people today and for example like we do in this lesson be more explicit? That's the question. Who's gonna answer Shaykh?
0: Because
1: his name is AE and he's not (laughs) P (laughs) C. So that's the answer. My name is AE, not P (laughs) C I personally believe, Allah Ta'ala a'lam, that we know that the Prophet and the Kibar Sahaba have re- uh, referred to the sexual organs in a very, very explicit way, sometimes. And I don't want to recite, I don't want to repeat that hadith upon the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Hadith Al-Asabiyyah, for example, Hadith al and you know what يعني, the Prophet ﷺ told the people to do, or what they were doing, yani in the, the call of jahiliya for al and other actions like that. Also the hadith of Abu Bakr, when it comes to the mm-hmm. left, yes, mm-hmm. and so on. So let's make it clear, it is not haram to use these phrases. That's a proof. Not I know you're not, I know you're not. I know you're not. Mm-hmm. So let's make that clear as a, as a starting point. So then the question is, why is it that it's being used in a metaphorical way, kinaya? The word kinaya, by the way, is meaning in a metaphorical way to reduce the vulgarity. That's what kinaya means. Why is it that you'll find the Qur'an and Sunnah full of kinaya and not explicitness then, if it is permissible to use the explicit phrases? And I would say that the answer to that is that it should go by culture and time and people and so on. That's my, that's my personal position. I don't believe that to a group of elders, even in this age, you would speak like that. And to people who are hearing and seeing these phrases day and night, and they're not very poetic people, they're not very imaginative people. Yeah, Nishof, when you say that to a people, that when you touch her, okay, there are some people that will immediately what I understand by that, that when you touch her means intercourse. Whereas you will come across, I mean, well, i will say today's generation, you will see all the people that will really touch her and they will just say, touch her. They will not, they do not have the language and the culture, al fikra al ali, al fikra al amiq, that, that you have that poetic kind of feel and whatever, that they would be able to understand that this means something more than the, the literal. That's my, that, that's my experience. That's what I've seen from students. And I don't, I don't see the point in wasting time. Trying to just be all arty about it and trying to be clever. But خلاص, let's make the point clear and move on. Sheikh she she Adolfa is not he's happy, he's not, he's the not, he's no not he happy. That, he's so he he's he's no, no, I, I know. not When you talk,
0: look at the Ulama, even the kitab, the books of the Iraq, and the Ulama when they explain what did they know? It's a bad comment,
1: it's not a question. Of, no, 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 it's a good comment but you know that the, 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 you the you said you said you said that you said the ulama yes this is the book of fiqh صح? Yes. he said you know is there anything you said the book of fiqh i'll use his words he said the glands of the male sexual organ it doesn't matter yani you know, how much we you know uh, 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 the reason he doesn't is because this is a legal text And when you're discussing legal texts, there's a difference between reading something which is more for the facto, and there's a difference when you are trying to look at something from a legal point of view. Legally speaking, you don't mess about. Legally, it's all about being as clear as possible. So I think that there's a difference. the, The point will always stand. But I have no problem at all. And I, I mean, make it clear, Sheikh Adolfa himself knows that the, the ruling on, on, is different and the adab of the discussion is something different. And he's talking about the adab. And that's a, a point well taken. But for myself, I have, I, in, uh, in my opinion, uh, adab is far more important in other areas. When you're talking about legalities, then I might, in, my, in, my, in, my, in my opinion, you should just make it super clear to people so that there's no doubt. Because I've just wasted many, many years flapping around. Yeah, you know when I realize when you spend so much time teaching and just wasting time, and then you just tell someone, boom, boom, boom. Allahu <laughs> Akbar. Walla <laughs> Sakmal Khairi Nifad Al Maa. Nafaa Allahu Bi Kir Sheikh. خلاص. Okay, guys. Zakmal Khairi Subhanahu Wa Taala <laughs> Alaihi <laughs> Wasallam. <laughs>